Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch Friday edition. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? Well... While the Cardinals are getting ready to face the Seahawks, the fallout continues following Patrick Peterson's comments after the Vikings game where he did call out the Cardinals organization. And Wolf, you did say that Patrick Peterson has issued an apology? No, I did not. Oh, I thought that's what you were saying in my ear. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Saying Kyrie. Kyrie. Oh, Kyrie. Kyrie's going to be issuing sorry. apologies. Well, we're going to get that later. I thought you meant Pat P. But <laughs> okay. Pat no. P. Still running his mouth then if he's not apologizing. <laughs> and today, you guys asked Cards GM Steve Kime his thoughts about Pat P's comments. I mean, I have nothing but respect for, for Pat and the, the, the athlete and the, the talent that he possesses. Obviously, during my tenure as uh, general manager, one of the more talented corners that I've seen him play in the league. And so I have a lot of respect for him as a player. I have no problems with it. This is over now, right? <laughs> well, the two no. sides have addressed it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Pat P still has a podcast. That Pat P will not let that go. Um, I wish that he would. Uh, I wish that my friend would. But um, I don't think he's going to let that go anytime soon based on the raw emotion. Two years after the fact, the raw emotion that we saw last Sunday. Yeah, I think that's the sort of thing that... If if he ever gets over it, it's going to be like years from now. We had Zoe in here yesterday, and Zoe, I thought, Zoe said exactly what I've been thinking this whole time of like, this is sad because you're talking about one of the best players in Cardinals history. And, you know, if he retires in two years or whatever, even if he stays with the Vikings, it was four years with the Vikings that, that you know, maybe he's fine, but he's a Cardinal. And so I, I think for if he's ever going to let it go, we're talking like five, six years down the line when he is past uh, not playing anymore. The Brooklyn Nets suspended Kyrie Irving for at least five games without pay, dismayed by his repeated failure to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs. With Irving later issuing an apology for his social media post last week about a book and movie that features anti-Semitic tropes. Irving had refused to apologize during a post-practice media session earlier yesterday, and the Nets said Irving is, quote, currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets, unquote. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski. The Nets felt they had no alternative left after spending a week trying to work with Kyrie Irving, uh, educate him uh, on the impact that uh, his promotion of that hateful, essentially hateful anti-Semitic uh, documentary uh, shared on his platform had had, had had on the world. And, and so I think for the Nets, the NBA, you know, they, they were in a position uh, where this had become an untenable situation. And like you said, Wolf, not Patrick Peterson, Kyrie Irving issued an apology late last night. Do you think this is going to lead to Kyrie Irving ultimately not playing in the NBA? Uh, 
Uh, it's tough to tell there. I mean, they suspended him for five games. You could tell at that point they were still maybe hoping he would do what he did today. I think he'll be back with the Nets this year. I don't know Kyrie Irving. I don't know why he went down this path. But I, when he was talking yesterday, Wolf, it's just my opinion. It, he sounded like a guy who got himself in even more trouble because he always either is trying to talk down to people yeah. or is trying to show how angry he is at everybody. Yeah. You proving you're angry at people? Like, and I'm not saying, like, I'm just saying if the reporter's asking him the questions or people even, in his mind, putting him in that corner, trying to prove you're always angry at people, really, it's just going to backfire, and it did for sure yesterday with him. Yeah, um... I want to say yes. I, I want to say this This is going to have a lasting effect on Kyrie Irving and his career. Um, but as soon as I say that, I think of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I think you know, will be back. I, I, <laughs> when you have Kyrie's kind of talent, um, you're always going to get the opportunity. And even though... Um, I will tell you that if he had not apologized, I thought he was done. I told you that in the pre, uh, pre-show meeting that we had. That I agree. Um, but now, since he has apologized, I do believe that he will get another chance. Sun center DeAndre Ayton is probable to return for tonight's matchup against the Blazers. Here's Devin Booker. It'll be nice, man. Um, you know, if he's healthy, ready to go. I got the rest that he needed this long season, so you know, even a light ankle sprain like that, you don't want it to linger. And I think he's back ready to go. So the Blazers are the only team that has beaten the Suns so far this season. So one, what are your expectations for Aiton tonight? And two, how do you think the Suns will respond? and come out against the Blazers. No, I think they'll respond just fine, and especially if Portland doesn't have Dame. I think that's a it's a bad combination for the Blazers. You beat the Suns, so you know they're out for revenge, and you don't have Dame. Anthony Simons is a really good player. He's not Damian Lillard, and yeah. you need probably both of them to beat the Suns. So I think the Suns will be, will be just fine tonight. Uh, D.A., I expect double-double because I expect a double-double from D.A. every single night. Okay, that's great. D.A. Um, and in and out Can Always I ask expect you right now, is Devin Booker playing? Is Devin Booker playing? Yes, he is. The answer is yes. I think they're going to come out with intent. I think they're going to come out with intensity. I think they're going to come out and say, you know what? We want to beat you because you beat us. And even though Dame is not going to be on the floor, I still think because of Devin Booker, the smoldering Devin Booker, because of that, they're still going to come out with intent and win the game. The Astros defeated the Phillies last night 3-2 as Houston took a 3-2 series lead. Here's Justin Verlander. Just just take it one pitch, one at bat, one game at a time. Um, you know, and do what got us here. Continue to do what got us here. You know, I, I think that's what makes this team so great is there's not one particular person that's going to go out there and try to be the hero on a given night. Um, you know, we just uh, try to try to have quality at bats, try to make quality pitches. Game six will be tomorrow. Do you think this series will go to a game seven? No. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I and look, I don't even So you really, think it ends tomorrow I think it's night. Over tomorrow, yeah. I, I think I think that no hitter broke Philly, even though I, I know they came out in the first batter for Philly hit a home run last night. It's it's just such an uphill climb against Houston at all times. I think Philly's chance to win the series was to do what they did the first three games yeah. where they were up one oh and up two one and up three two. I think once you fall behind Houston, you're done. 
The Astros can beat you in so many different ways, and that was on display last night if you happen to watch the game in the 8th and ninth inning. The defense that the Houston Astros played. Now, is this a surprise? No, it is not. They're the best defensive team in, in the AL. Um, from a metric perspective, they went out and they played the way that they do. They can beat you in so many different ways, whether it's hitting, whether it's pitching, whether it's hitting home runs, if that's what they need to do, whether it's manufacturing runs, their bullpen as well, and then they play defense. They can beat you in so many ways. They robbed Kyle Schwarber of an extra base hit in the eighth, and then Chaz McCormick, of course, in center field. Another robbing. Um, Two great plays that really characterize who they are. The Astros, they're going to close it out tomorrow night. I just kind of feel like everybody loses if the Astros win. Like, just collectively, like, all right, we'll just hit reset and come back next year. It's not a prediction. That's just a guess. Uh, mine's a prediction that the Astros are going to win. All right, that was uh, Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you. And that screaming in the background is how I feel when the Astros win. Thank you, Aaron. The Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are coming to the Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour November 18th. So head to the contest page now on Arizona Sports. Com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. We come back. What are the keys for the Cardinals when they face the Seahawks on Sunday? And much of a difference could this uh, make for them? That's, uh, that's coming up next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Soothing, a little deep blue something here. This is, this is, every time I hear an acoustic guitar, um, I just want to smash it. <laughs> like that guy in Animal House. What that guy? Yeah. You know that guy from that movie? <laughs> that was Animal House, right? It was Animal House. Yeah, that was that was it right there. Grab it, smash it. John Belushi. That's all I remember from that movie. I know everybody quotes like every. Oh, other that's line. all you remember? I remember. What about the... where the movie takes place? Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay, the that's... beautiful Eugene Oregon. Did it? The, See, the University know, of Oregon. I did not even know. I only know that was oh, yeah. her. That's the only okay. I there know you go. That's... Okay, that's the second thing I remember about that movie. Belushi smashing the acoustic guitar. <laughs> uh, all right, Rocky well... Mountain High. <laughs> right, I mean. Colorado smashes it all over the walls and walks away. Yeah, okay. Okay, Look, we're all having a good time right now. (laughs) Monday, uh, it's either going to be really good times or really bad times because of the Seahawks game. This is the way it gets when they. This is how this Cardinal season has gone, Wolf. I've just prepared myself. I'm just going to block out Sunday evening into Monday. Uh, I don't know if I get to be happy or not. Yeah, man, this is honestly right now. I. I believe the Arizona Cardinals have got to get healthy. And if, in fact, they do get healthy, now all of a sudden you're talking about a different team. I, I do believe DeAndre Hopkins goes a long way in changing this offense. I do believe Rodney Hudson goes a long way in changing this offense. Now, it looks like Rodney Hudson is not going to play this week. Yeah. Um, James Conner, though, goes a long way in changing this offense. And I... Man, can you tell me if James Conner's going to play? I can, but I don't know if I'll be right or not. Uh, 
but I can I can tell you what is the latest. An Do you know what the, what the latest is? Yeah. Have you heard anything in regard to James Conner and what the latest is in regard to the? I've actually been here with you for the last two hours. I know. I just didn't minutes. know if you happen so, to see something. Oh, see, no, I look at Maloney. Well, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury just met with the media, and James Conner. DJ Humphreys and Buda Baker are game time decisions. Okay. <laughs> okay, right, that's better hold than on. out. Okay, so that's Connor, better than out. DJ Humphreys and Buda Baker. Yeah. Um, oh my look, goodness. Can you imagine those three? Okay. Well, I know you're trying to make a point about Connor, and I'm not trying to, but of those three, he's. I need the other two back. I got to have Buda back, and I got to have some semblance of my offensive line back. My goodness. Oh my goodness. That is. That's just not good. The game time decision thing, unless you're, unless you know they're going to play, you feel like and you're just going to say play, right? that, right? You're just going to say, well, yeah. Can you imagine telling Buddha sit down? Yeah, Buddha, you're not playing today. Think about um, that. No. Okay, first, first, I don't think he cares about the hard knock stuff, but the first episode of Hard Knocks, uh, you're playing Seattle. You obviously have a history in Seattle. You have a history against Seattle. And oh, by the way, this is kind of our season on the line. You think Buda Baker's going to miss that game if there's any way humanly possible he can play? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's. No. I'm going to go ahead and roll Buda in. Yeah, but it's not going to be because I'm hard knocks. No, that wasn't he's, the order. Okay, it well, just, you just I, kind of I, threw I just, it in there. That, that's why I tried to qualify okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah. Luke's yeah, yeah. the person that would change for the cameras. <laughs> 100%. Are there any on in here? <laughs> There's a couple around here. Mel, that was good right there, man. It's because I forgot about you, Gene. I, I, I deserve it. Luke, Luke would, hey, what should I say today? What should I, oh my goodness, I, you know what, I need to increase my Twitter followers. I would have a script, and it would just. And then you'd come along and put a question mark at the end of one of the things right. like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. <laughs> and I'd be like, on Arizona Sports? Uh, yes. I, listen, um... Who's going to be healthy? Who's going to be ready to play for the Arizona Cardinals? I don't think the Seattle Seahawks are a juggernaut. Even though I watch him play, even though I look at Geno Smith, even though I see DK Metcalf and I see Tyler Lockett, even though I see Kenneth Walker the third in particular, averaging over five yards per carry. Rushing, he's got five rushing touchdowns right now. The guy runs the ball in a very physical kind of way, yet is very shifty, makes a lot of guys miss. We saw that firsthand when the Cardinals played him in week six. Man, um, if you tell me that James Conner is ready to go and DJ Humphreys is ready to go, I'll take Billy Price at center. I'll take Billy Price at center and say we can run the ball and still run the ball and be able to do it and run it in a physical kind of way. And if you don't have those guys, you're climbing uphill. It's you know it's like you said, Seattle's not a juggernaut. They are in first place. They've earned that. It's halfway through the season. We saw what the halfway point of the season does for you by the end of the season last year. Much more extreme. The Cardinals were 7-0. and They were 10-2, and and it got them a first-round exit from the playoffs. To me, Seattle is the cutoff at this point. You want to make the playoffs, I think you need to finish ahead of Seattle. If you finish behind Seattle, I think you miss the playoffs. I still think San Francisco wins this division. I do think Seattle's probably going to get in, but they're probably going to get in as like the seventh seed. I, so I just That's a long way of saying... You can't lose this game because if you do, there's almost no way to catch Seattle. You're going to be three games right? back, and they're going to have the tiebreaker. Come on, man. So you, you have to win this weekend, whatever whatever it takes. Like Zoe was saying when he was in here yesterday, even if you don't have your starters, you can still be physical right out of the gate. The next guys in the lineup are NFL players. You know, it's, it's not... 
It's not Rodney Hudson. It's not Justin Correct. Pugh. It might Correct. not be DJ Humphrey. Good it might point. not be Jim, but they can still be physical. Yes. Still come off the ball with a dark heart and a painted face, man. Here we go. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because if you look at the Seahawks right now at five and three and the Arizona Cardinals at three and five, just listen to how different it sounds to be six and three or three and six. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, if you could beat the Seahawks, now they're five and four. Boy, does that sound a lot different than six and three? Yes. They're it five does. and four and you're four and five. It's all bunched right I, back I, up. Again. I, it's bunched right back up. If all of a sudden you can beat them, it, it, no, you, you've been on this more so than anybody else. And I am with you, man. This is, this is the key. This is, we've been talking about the window of opportunity that exists for the Arizona Cardinals over the next three weeks. Man, it starts right here. Um, I love the fact that Vance Joseph was talking about this earlier in the week. He was talking about the opportunity, the opportunity of three games, this three-game window, and yet it starts with focusing on one, one week, Seattle. That's the best way to frame it up. And Cliff Kingsbury was talking about that as well. I think every week is urgent in this league. You know, I mean, you got 17 chances to win games, but to have three in a row in division for us, where this team is, is absolutely, it's it's big picture awareness and, you know, weekly focus. You know, we know what's out there. It doesn't change the the, uh, week of work. You know, it's the same week of work, but we're definitely aware that it's getting late in the season. You know, we got three games that can turn our season this next next you know three weeks. So that's that's definitely uh, out there. But it's one week at a time. But you know, winning this game you know allows us to focus on the next week. You know, you don't win this one, next week becomes kind of you know whatever. But it's 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 obviously a a month for us that we have to make some strides, and we're aware of that. Big picture awareness with a weekly focus. That sounds like something Monty Williams would say. I, yeah, I mean, that to me right there is that that's the truth, Basin audience. That's what I like. It's the truth. And they're talking about the truth. Could you lose the next three games and somehow, some way, still make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. All you'd have to do is win out. Yeah. It's basically, simple. right? You'd never lose again. Uh, so, so I love the fact that it's it's technically not a must-win situation. Yet at the same time, you got coaches that are framing it up as such. And I like that. He kind of even said it right there, which I which I respect. Of like, if you lose this one, the next week, uh, okay, you know, <laughs> like you could tell he was kind of like, okay, well, I don't want to diminish next week, but let's just be real here. If they lose to Seattle, you're not catching Seattle. So then you're you, next week, you're trying to just stay ahead of the Rams, which you know maybe the Rams lose this week, maybe you can do that. You're not you're not mathematically done if you lose. But you're not going to make the playoffs if you lose. I don't know how else to the say odds it. Are, yeah, the odds are. The odds say. You're not. And, and, Seattle, and I like that, though. Once again, you want to create urgency? Say it the way that it is. Seattle is a team that when you played them just three weeks ago, your defense played really well. But you ended up losing 19-9. to And in yeah. that game, you didn't have your kicker. You didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. You didn't have James Conner. What's your point? You would think if your defense can go out there and play and deliver a similar performance... You're going to have at least Prater and Hopkins back. That should be enough to win. I don't think they're holding Seattle to 19 again, but you should be able to go out there and win 27-24 or something. 
Let's go. I don't care how they win. You just you need you can win three to two. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, you just need to win this game. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Will the Suns be able to take advantage of a Blazers team that won't have Dame tonight? We're going to ask Arizona Sports' own Suns guru, Kellen Olsen. He joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Talk to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen is joining us on the Arizona Sports line right now, our own Phoenix Suns guru. Kellen, how is this season treating you? Great. Yeah, the team looks great. That's that's a good sign. There's no reason to be worried, though, right? No, no, right? Everything's perfect. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Um, Did you have any subliminal meaning yeah, what, on what, that one? On? That I thought was everything was good. A little odd for you to say, Killer. Sixty-four wins, great year. Game seven's just one game. They're they're good. Mm, I had to bring that up. Uh, all right. Well, they are six and one to start the season, and one of the things that I've been looking for, Kellen, is any sort of differences from this year to last year, just in their approach, their mentality. I feel like Chris Paul gave us a glimpse into that after the win on Sunday. Uh, I feel like James Jones has kind of hinted at it. Not that they're, you know, it's a major overhaul. It's the, it's a lot of the same team, but just their approach. Have you noticed anything with how they are approaching the regular season this year? I don't think so. I think it's just more to the fact that their mentality the last two seasons is still carrying over in the same way. And if you look at other teams around the league right now and how much they're quote-unquote struggling, however you want to phrase praise it other teams are not playing well to start the year and if you look at a team like the Warriors who are three and six right now losing four games in a row their defense is abysmal they were not good and just didn't look great in the last two months of the regular season last year then they won a championship so different teams have different sort of mentalities and and I think that's part of what we're seeing right now and the Suns have always had a unique one we've talked about it with Chris Paul potentially resting him, using him on second games of back-to-back, things like that. They don't do any of that stuff. They don't do injury management. They don't treat the regular season uh, any any less than, than they should or, or they think they should, and, and that's always been the difference with them. So it's to me, I'm, I'm not really surprised, to be honest, to see them get off to this type of start in the regular season. So, Killer, Dame Lillard is out tonight, of course. That is definitely going to change the uh, Trailblazers' fortunes, shall we say. How do the Suns adjust to this, if at all? Uh, they adjust by prioritizing Anthony Simons. Uh, he's averaging over 20 points per game this year. He's taking over 10 three-pointers a game. So he's launching just as much as Dame will, and that's a guy who two, three years ago Portland was super-duper excited about, but we didn't see as many returns on him uh, like we did last year. And, and then this year, certainly, he kind of looks like that future all-star that they had pegged him to be a couple of years ago, and, and he can go nuclear at any point. He hit six threes in a row across three and a half minutes of the game earlier this year. He helped spearhead a 19-2 to two run they had against Memphis at home in the fourth quarter uh, on Wednesday, I believe. He, he's a huge priority for them, and I think if they're able to contain him, 
there's just a lack of creation that this team has in other areas, as, as anyone would if, if one of the guys is hurt and then one of them is limited. He'll be he'll be the top of the game plan for sure. Talking to Kellen Olsen, Kellen, a lot made of Cam Johnson coming into this season. He's in the starting lineup, and then uh, in the last game he goes out there and puts in 29. He's hitting threes like crazy over the last three in particular. What are your realistic expectations or hopes for him this season? I think it's part of what we've seen so far, which is just, especially in the last three games, is just a more consistent offensive source in the offense. And the bottom line is you go from a guy like Jay who's taking four or five threes a game to a guy like Cam who's taking seven, eight, maybe even nine threes a game, who's who's an elite shooter, one of the best shooters in the league. You're just going to get more production from there. But I think like offensively in transition and then attacking the weak side of the defense, that's where Cam is a little bit of an upgrade as well. And I just think offensively we've seen those returns come to fruition right now. But I think that the most interesting part to me is that defensively they haven't really fallen off at all because I think everyone would agree that Jay Crowder is a better defender than Cam Johnson right now. I think the only person that would disagree, one of the few people that would disagree, would be Cam himself as he has the right to think and as he should think, to be honest. But with that being said, I thought they were going to miss a lot of uh, Jay's veteran savvy and know-how. And we're only seven games in. We shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves. But at the same time, they still look like a really, really good defensive team and I thought maybe they'd be the best offense in the league and maybe a top 10 to 15 defense but it looks like they could just be back to their form of last year which is top five in both categories again. Killer can you go into a little bit more detail in regard to this defense and why they're playing as well as they are right now? I think part of it is continuity Wolf Uh, for the recap for the Minnesota game Cam had a really cool anecdote where I asked him about the continuity that they've sort of got together and how they're able to take a situation like playing the Minnesota Timberwolves and attack Carl Anthony Towns and do it the morning of. Like, that's the thing this team has been super good at over the course of the year and, and a thing that is really hard for a lot of teams to do, which is the morning of a game at shoot-around, plan something specific on both ends for the opponent, execute it, and then do the same thing two nights later for another team. And they did that with Carl Anthony Towns, and I asked Cam about the continuity that comes with that. And something that he, mess- uh, he mentioned was a huge play was that he was under the rim sort of being the help man for anyone on the perimeter. And Mikel Bridges' man cut to the rim. Cam covered him and called it out. But the whole time he's kind of calling it out, he's sort of instructing Mikel on where to go. Mikel already knew where to go, and they had been in that situation so many times together. You'll remember Mikel had that steal in the fourth quarter where his arms just came out of nowhere to deflect a pass, and then they were off and running. That was that play. And so you see that kind of play, and you're thinking, oh, Mikel is just doing the thing with his arms again. He's a freak. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah, that's true. But that starts with just the continuity that he has with Cam and this team has together, and, and that was never going to go anywhere despite Jay being on the team or not. We're talking to Kellen Olsen. Uh, Kellen, Jock Landales looked like a pretty good fit here early. Campaign has shown flashes. I know they're working Landry Shamit back in. Uh, your opinion, when the playoffs roll around, who is the Suns' best or most important bench player going to be in the sense of is he already on this roster or is it still somebody they're going to go out and get? I think it's always going to be campaign until they get someone that is going to be their version of campaign, essentially. So I'll I'll kind of cheat and answer it that kind of way, because we've seen the way that Cam has played through these six, seven games, and he's been great. And and I think his numbers are what they are, and you might look at them and just kind of think that they're fine, they're good, he's been decent or whatever. But you watch like the tempo and the pace and just like the flow that the offense has, all of that is thanks to campaign. The ball's not stagnating. They're keeping it moving. And 
All of that has to do with him, and he's the guy that has to spearhead that. So even if they go out and get a, a scoring wing or whatever to replace Jay Crowder, another shooter, whatever they go for, that is going to be something where it's still going to be on campaign more than anyone else to help facilitate and help run that second unit. He's done it really well to start the year. And if him and Landry Shamit are playing as Monty Williams described it as free, if they play free like that, then this bench is going to be good, and they're going to be in a position to contend for a championship again. But, again, we'll, we'll see. We learned last year and two years ago how much the sample size can vary for, for Payne specifically and Shamit. We saw it last year, how he struggled. So it's been a really good sign so far, but we'll see what the full uh, season and then the postseason uh, gives us in that regard. Killer, I got 30 seconds here, and maybe it's unfair, but Dario Saric, um, how much more are we going to see of Dario? I think we might see more of Dario in, in the coming months. I just think coming off of the injury, it's a really tough spot for him. But with that being said, Jock Landale has just been so impressive. And Bismack Biombo is so reliable that the relative unknown of Dario coming off the injury and just how he's looking and how he's moving, it's not really what the team needs right now and what Bismack and Jock are providing. Now, the interesting thing is going to be if, if Jock or Bismack, their play tails off for a couple of games, do we see Dario kind of get... Uh, inserted into the rotation. That, that'll that be the more interesting part, but until that comes, I'm, I'm not really thinking too much about it or, or pressing too many uh, conspiracy theories, to be honest. Kellen, great as always, man. Thank, Thank you, you for Kellen. the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. That's Kellen Olson, our own Phoenix Suns guru, joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line ahead of tonight's contest with the Portland Trailblazers and tomorrow's contest with the Portland Trailblazers. And then they'll play Portland again like next December. Uh, Text Devils to 620-620 for your chance to win VIP field and tailgate passes to see ASU take on the Oregon State Beavers, courtesy of Bar S. That's Devils to 620-620. When we come back, the Philadelphia Eagles keep winning. Are you surprised? How long can they keep this going? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So apparently the Philadelphia Eagles are just never going to lose. Now 8-0 after that win last night. Houston did what Houston kind of does. Hung around in the game and then lost. So I continue to give Lovey Smith credit for keeping his team in a lot of these games, but they're not winning many of them. But they're, they've one win and one tie. Not exactly what you set out to do. For the Eagles, though, 8-0. and Here's Jalen Hurts afterwards. I'm no special for the, for, the, for the city of Philadelphia, you know, and... I mean, I've, I've been 80-0 before and, and, and lost the national championship, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just take it day by day, you know what I'm saying? Take it day by day. Uh, we we haven't accomplished anything yet, you know, and it's just a, it's a day-by-day thing of us um, trying to grow every day. I think that's truly what it's about. Did you say that was Jalen Hurts that right there? That was Jalen Hurts right Can there. Can I just say right now, um, I quickly am becoming a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Uh, coming into the season, I said he is the question mark. He is the reason why I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be good. There were a lot of people that actually were saying, hey, the Eagles, man, watch the Eagles. Remember it? In the NFC, they were kind of the sexy pick right there. You know, hey, remember? Eagles and Dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Remember the Philadelphia Eagles, man? Here they come. And I was like, no. Um, no, yeah, they've got, um, they've got a deep roster, no doubt about it. Yet at the same time, it's all about that quarterback, man. It's all about that quarterback. And Jalen Hurts is a question mark.
boy, I'll tell you what, good for Jalen Hurts. He has played exceptionally well, and you can just tell the confidence. The confidence is allowing him to grow even more as a leader than anything else. Keyshawn Johnson, who is uh, prone sometimes to hyperbole, maybe he's maybe he's right here. I don't know. The Eagles have won a Super Bowl uh, before, not that long ago. But Keyshawn says, you know, forget that. This is the best Eagles team in franchise history. Since I've watched football and played football, I think this is probably the best Eagles team, even the ones that went to the Super Bowl and lost to the ones that went to the Super Bowl and won. The quarterback is on par with all of the quarterback. He's better than Nick Foles. He's on par with Donovan McNabb. The receivers, T.O., was obviously the best receiver, but these guys are on par as a group because that group outside of T.O. was hot garbage. The receiving group kicks him over the top. Poor Nick Foles. (laughs) He's the one that won the Super Bowl. He's obviously better than Nick Foles, uh, but he is. Um, Look, the Eagles are a team that – they are the team that I'm watching closely because of their similarities to the Cardinals a year ago. The offense they're running, their success out of the gate. Yeah, I'm curious to see if the league catches up with them in the second half of the season or in the playoffs. And some of it, it's not completely even because they're going to be playing different teams down the stretch. But they've broken away from what the Cardinals did last year, last night, Wolf, by winning their eighth straight game to start the year. Cardinals went 7-0, and lost on Thursday Night Football. Eagles went 7-0, and and then they won on Thursday Night Football. Although, to be fair, they were playing Houston, not Green Bay back when Green Bay was good. But still, this is now everybody's obviously watching them because they're the only undefeated team. I'm still fascinated to see if they continue to evolve over the course of the season or if the rest of the league catches up with them. Yeah, you know, but once again, it's not just the offense for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was on display last night, man. It truly is. It's the defense as well. They only gave up 303 yards. Now, I get it. It was to the Texans. And I I get it, right? Uh, You know, you've got the quarterback situation going on for the Houston Texans. Yet at the same time, to me, um, you can only play against who you can play against. And their defense went out and played very, very well, only giving up just over 300 yards. Javon Hargrave sacked Mills, what, three times? Yeah, three times. Bradbury, C.J. Gardner-Johnson each had a pick. You know, this is what they've been doing. They have been turning over opposing quarterbacks at an alarming, alarming rate. You know, they have really done a great job coming up with turnovers. They have. They get to the quarterback. They, I mean, that defense is 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 why you would take them to go to or maybe win the Super Bowl. That and the fact they're in Philadelphia and everything goes Philadelphia's way this year. But uh, <laughs> I had to stop watching that game last night. Davis Mills. Who I obviously, I mean, I, I remember Stanford when ASU would play against Stanford. Davis Mills could walk in here right now, Wolf, and set his helmet down on the table and be like, "All right, what are we talking about?" And I would be like, "Who are you?" Like Davis yeah. Mills. <laughs> I'm watching that game last night. I'm like, "That's what Davis Mills looks like." Yeah, I didn't even. I, I don't think I could have picked him out of a, a quarterback lineup. I know. You know. Again, um, defensively, though, uh, I think this team doesn't get the credit that they deserve. And offensively right now, just watching the game last night, it wasn't like they were juggernauts offensively, even though they did have 360 yards. That's not a great outpouring of yardage, so to speak. But situationally, I thought the Philadelphia Eagles played really, really well. They were 50% on third down conversions. That's a big deal right there. It really is. You're moving the sticks. They were 4-4 in the red zone. 
There it is. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. When you talk about situational football, fundamentally, it's the red zone. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's another key we didn't get into with Cardinal Seahawks before. Maybe we'll get into it later because that it wasn't just the red zone the last time they played, but it was into Seahawks territory inside like the 30, 35, and they, and they just kept coming away with nothing last game. And the, the other thing, too, situationally, what they did in rundown situation, they handed the ball off to a running back 22 times. I'm not talking about Jalen Hurts pulling down the ball and running the ball. I'm not talking about your quarterback running the ball. I'm talking about handing the ball off to a running back. They did it 22 times for 120 yards and two touchdowns. They averaged 5.5 yards per attempt when they handed the ball off to a running back. That is a lot more similar to the Cardinals a year ago than what was the number I had before. The Cardinals have 180 rushing yards by running backs over the last three weeks. And and some of that is inflated by a pretty good game against New Orleans. But yeah. 30 yards on the ground from running backs last week against Minnesota and 44 uh, the week before the uh, the New Orleans game. Philadelphia, your pick to come out of the NFC, if you had to pick right now, we're at the halfway point of the season. I, it's not that I don't trust them. I just feel like somebody else is going to rise up in the second half and kind of peak at the right time. I think it's probably because of what happened to the Cardinals last year. But when I look around the NFC... The only two teams I really look at and like, okay, they might they might be able to catch him would be San Francisco or Dallas. I guess I'd probably have to pick San Francisco, but yeah. Philly's legit. It's Philly's it, it, Philly's legit, man. Because of what you said about the defense, it's not uh, yes. just hey, we're going to beat you thirty to twenty seven. They they can beat you in a low scoring game if they have. No, to. they do. They man, they've got talent all over the place. And I remember when the Cardinals were getting ready to play the Eagles, you could just see it on tape, ladies. You could see it. This is not a team that has a lot of weaknesses. As a matter of fact, I remember that about that week, talking about that. I don't see a ton of weaknesses, save for one, run the ball in a north-south way in between the tackles. That was it. I still believe if there's an Achilles heel, that's it for the Eagles. But, man, they are playing super, super well. Dan Graziano yesterday talking about uh, Jalen Hurts, what that next contract is going to look like, because we are talking about this in the pre-show meeting. Yeah, all these Oklahoma quarterbacks on that run with uh, Lincoln Riley, and you've got Jalen Hurts, and you've got Baker Mayfield, and you've got Kyler Murray. I mean, right now, Jalen Hurts is the best of the bunch. Now, that could change. Kyler could catch him at some point again. I don't know the Baker's catching him, but Graziano said Kyler's basically setting the bar for what Jalen Hurts' next contract's going to look like. If he continues to play well, and you know they can, they continue to play well as a team, yes, I don't think you can get him to come to the table unless you're offering more than the Cardinals gave Kyler Murray, which is about $46 million a year, right? So mm-hmm. if you if they win the Super Bowl or if yeah. he wins the MVP award, two things Kyler Murray's never come close to doing, this thing starts in the $50 millions. And Ooh. the question I would have if you're Jalen Hurts would be, do you want to wait? Like, let's say you win the MVP award and you win the Super Bowl. Now, I want to wait and see. I want to see what Burrow gets and what Herbert gets, and I want to come in on top of it. Right, like that would be that would be my approach because hey, all right, great, those guys are great, but they haven't done what I just did. It's a big if. He got those are big ifs right there. It really is. 
You know, I, we're halfway through it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, Kyler at this point last year was getting MVP talk. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I wonder what Howie Roseman would say. What would Howie say right now? You can do uh, hey, everybody, just calm down on this whole thing. What are you talking about, Jalen? Settle down. Okay, win MVP in a Super Bowl and we'll talk. Yeah. What happens if he wins the Super Bowl? Well, then he's going to get paid a lot of money because he won the Super Bowl. All right. Uh, when we come back, Steve Kime joined us earlier in the show to talk about the Seahawks, Patrick Peterson, his team, all that. And we'll, we'll react to it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.